Now you just watch. I went to the market for to get some beef. And the beef's so tough, and I couldn't get enough. I paid five dollars for a great big hog, and the hog so fat, and I couldn't get back. Welcome to the stage, the Holmes Movies Podcast Team. I am Anders Holmes. And I am joined by my dance partner, my brother Adam. Hello, hello. Good evening, fans. So glad. <laughs> so glad to be here. Um, yeah, it's uh, oy, top tens. Uh, we're back with more yes. lists, with more so, bullshit lists. It's, uh, it's a less violent one it's it's dancing it's dance sequences <laughs> yes absolutely it's not uh we're not no one's gonna die in this episode uh there's not the body count is gonna be very very low um and um and that's that's good because um you know um we want to we don't want to give the impression that we just watch westerns and war movies or whatever uh we also uh, watch films that have um that have dancing in them. I, I, I last year in November because I wa- I, I sort of took a because I you know because I, as I do every year I watch you know a lot of horror films in October. So I decided in November instead of jumping into film noir movies as you know noir November as people like to you know watch uh, like to say yeah like to say I decided to watch sort of feel good movies and I had pretty much all of the um, the majority of the films that uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers did. And I basically watched pretty much all of them from the, their first film, which was Flying Down to Rio, where um, they were actually supporting characters in that film. And then people who were behind the scenes, they noticed their chemistry and they thought, mm, we should put these guys in a lot more movies. And then they did The Gate of Orsay and Swing Time and Top Hat and Roberta and uh, Follow the Fleets and Carefree and... Um, uh, what was the other? Did a lot of movies together. Yeah, they did a lot of movies together, and um, I was going to say they also probably noticed that they were really fucking good at dancing. Yeah, the dancing is. Like, they not only have good chemistry; these people are astonishing. Is it is it fair to say that Fred Astaire is going to appear in our top ten dance sequences list? Maybe. Uh, two things about Fred Astaire. Yes. Uh, the first was apparently at his screen test. Um, the verdict by whoever did the screen test was can't sing, can't act, can dance, brackets, a little. Um, and the uh, the other thing... I forgot that, about that. I forgot about that. Ginger Rogers had a great line where she was like, um, you know, talking about dancing with Fred Astaire, which was, uh, we can come to later, you know, not always the most fun experience. And she said, you know, try doing those things, but backwards and in heels. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, for what I've 
gathered of him, he was a bit of a perfectionist when it came to the dancing. I think that that's a, a feature of, uh, of many of our dancing friends. So, so look, what, why um, have, we haven't really put out the, the 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 call on this episode, have we? No, this was a bit of a last minute um, episode because uh, next week I am going to be moving from Copenhagen. I'm not moving country. I'm not leaving Denmark at the moment. No, I would want to do such a thing. Yeah, I am uh, moving to the northern part of Denmark in Jutland. I'm moving to Aarhus to uh, live with uh, my girlfriend. Congratulations, man. Yeah, we've, but, yeah uh, but that means that 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 causes some serious fucking disruption to the podcast. So I hope you know. What yeah. You're Next, yeah. So next week, next week is going to be a lot of packing and moving in and all that not sort a, of stuff. Not a lot of podcasting. So yeah, no, not so. a lot of podcasting. So we probably will go on a little bit of a hiatus. And and also, I will be watching some horror films as well. So I will be a bit busy in the land. So maybe our next top ten could be scary, scary scenes. Mm. Um, it's going to be a lot. Okay, it's well, going to have to be a top twenty. I'll, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> top two hundred. Um, top ten, part one. Oh God! Can you imagine that? Well, that that would be like adding an extra layer of bullshit to what is already a bullshit exercise in making lists. Um, well, and I have I hear a, that's I, I hear that's what they do in American politics. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> blah 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 blah. Um, it's, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that funny. Um, the um, I thought it was funny. Yes, but Andy. Um, <laughs> so I think because uh, because you're moving. I have a meeting yeah. for an, uh, an hour. Uh, we should probably get into this. Uh, we should get into this list, right? Yes, we should. Uh, number ten is the Vincent Minnelli film from 1953, starring Fred Astaire, The Bandwagon. So, you 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 can't really start with any. I mean, Fred Astaire is kind of the biggest name in the history of 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 like when you think about the dance sequences on film. You know, he really is the name that that sort of shoots to the fore. And um, you know, maybe, and you could argue with that. Maybe it should be different. But for me, there's just nothing like watching Fred's elegance and his uh, poise, and just his 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 just beauty and the way he's able to move and be, you know, act with such incredible um, precision and creativity in his uh, dance sequences. Um, you know, many of which he he designed himself, or you know, he collaborates uh, with with the directors and so on to come up with. This is an interesting example because this is a sort of like relatively late career Fred Astaire movie. Um, you know, he did a couple of these um, in the fifties. He did Funny Face with Audrey Hepburn, uh, for, directed by Stanley Donnan, and uh, and this film Bandwagon is is literally about like an old theater star like trying to come back you know trying to mount his comeback he's kind of he's fallen out of of relevance you know, he's gone to hollywood his career is kind of on the skids he goes back to broadway and he tries to start a production and it's like the story of that this, the film is the story of that production and how it goes so it's kind of it's the classic musical thing of, of the of the stage play within the film very much a, a 1930s throwback and uh yeah his, his partner in the film is another name that I think people don't remember as readily when they think about great cinematic dancers, but, um, but they should, uh, because it's Sid Charisse, who's, um, who's just amazing. And, and a lot of people will uh, remember her from, uh, uh, from, from the um, sequence in uh, Singing in the Rain. Um, oh, is that the uh, gotta dance, that bit? 
Uh, yeah, and it's, I, th I think so. It's a bit where, you know, he he's sort of on the floor and then suddenly he finds her shoe and then her outstretched leg. And then... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's the guy yeah. who throws the coin in the air and catches it. Yeah, right. It's right, when right. he's explaining the play and there's all the weird dancing and people running in with their hands and everything like that. It, it, it's her, right? Yes, I believe so. Um, okay, cool. And um, in any case, she's in Singing in the Rain. Very, very iconic uh, moment. Um, yes. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right. That is, that is when it is. And she's just, she's just fantastic to watch in this movie. She's, um, you know, she, it, I think that um, the sort of way in which Astaire kind of is able to um, adapt to the newer... Um, to the younger uh, cast members, you know, say say what you like about you know the fact that it's kind of problematic that his career continues on, you know, all singing, all dancing, and you know, Ginger Rogers is a, a is not at the same level of stardom. But it's it's just interesting how he sort of adapts the um, the roles he's playing, uh, less of a kind of young, fresh faced debutante and more of a seasoned uh, veteran. Um, but yeah, the, the the sequence in this movie. Um, is one I think you will have seen because it appears uh, at length in the um, Martin Scorsese documentary that we often talk about on this show. Uh, an old journey through American filmmaking. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, it's the, it's the so-called girl hunt, and uh, it's a, um, it is a, um, it's the stage production that they finally bring to life, and it's Fred Astaire's playing this kind of character who goes to this sort of neo-noir journey through the New York City nightlife uh, in a series of dance sequences. One of them is a street scene. One of them is a, a subway scene. And the most iconic one is a um, nightclub scene where Sid Charisse appears in, in just a completely like iconic red dress. And they do this... Um, fabulous routine surrounded by gun-toting gangster types and it's just complete like it's it's also really worth pointing out at this point that the bandwagon's in color and so it's like you're this is this is not the 30s Fred Astaire that's all black and white and uses the um the sort of art deco monochromatic um look to sort of um influence the um the aesthetics of the film um this is this is like big deep reds greens blues it's it's so you know it's so kind of alive and lush and um yeah it's a joy to watch the rest of the film yeah you know it's a 3d it's a pretty throwaway yeah um you know throwaway but it's it's not a, it's not gonna like change your life but this dance sequence i think it will so yeah i think i have seen that sequence i think because we were in film school in london and we were talking about musicals and they were we were seeing different clips or someone was talking we were talking about genres in this class and we were looking at musicals and uh uh, one day we watched A Star is Born with Judy Garland, like the long three-hour epic. And yeah, um, they, showed, they showed that scene from uh, The Bandwagon. Yes, A Star is Born with Judy Garland and James Mason. James Mason is, uh, is uh, really good. I haven't seen the um, Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper film yet. but um, No, but you have gone down a complete tangent. So why don't we do number nine? Yes, number nine is the uh, uh, film Band Apart, which was the name of Lawrence Bender's uh, production company. Well, That's Tarantino. Why would you lead with that? Well, just because <laughs> Why don't we say it is uh, one of the great films of the French New Wave instead, starring? Uh, the late great uh, Anna Karina, and directed by Jean-Luc Godard. Yeah, who uh, Tarantino described. Spender. Well, he produced uh, Pulp Fiction. And, well, who cares? We can talk about him if we talk about Pulp Fiction. Let's talk yeah, about okay. the so, French yeah, well, yeah, Jean-Luc Godard was regarded as Bob, as what Bob Dylan was to music, Bob uh, Jean-Luc Godard was to films. That's what Tarantino's, Tarantino said about Jean-Luc Godard. 
well, Tarantino is an idiot, um, but um, you know, but yeah, uh, uh, Bob Dylan, there is no, no, there is no equivalent there. Um, John Luke Goddard is a very, very talented filmmaker, but come on, um, Quentin, yeah. seriously, have have a word with yourself. Um, the, yeah, you know, he had a long relationship with Anna Anna Karina. Yeah, well, she was his muse, as he they was, say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Goddard's directed a a heap of, of incredible movies like Breathless, Contempt, Piero Le Fou, Vivre Sa Vie. Um, and, um, but yeah, this film, Band Apart, is, is, um, is just a great kind of youthful, um, exuberant, um, what would you call it? Like, is it kind of a, like, what, it, does, it just defies genre. It's a little bit of a crime movie. It's a little yeah, bit of a- I mean, it's just, I think it's with, like, with a lot of French films, new wave films. It's all about films. being French and cool. Yeah, I think with like a lot of French New Wave movies, it's really hard to kind of categorize them into one particular genre because it's just, it's a lot of things. I mean, you could say that about a lot of Truffaut's movies, like, you know, like, like The 400 Blows, is it a coming of age film, a drama, and it's a lot of things. And it's just, you know, and I think, you know, they were really just, they were having a good time, those um, Cahiers du Cinema's, uh, cinema uh, folk. That's for sure. But anyway, in this film, um, the three main characters, Anna Karina, um, who's one of them, and then it's, uh, was it Sammy Frey and Claude Brasseur? Um, they, um, they get up in a bar, she puts the jukebox on, and they do this incredibly, just like, <laughs> like insanely cool little dance sequence that involves a lot of just like standing, clicking fingers, and then jumping. And yeah. um, she's got a cool hat like, on. I'll say that she's got a really nice hat on in that scene. Mm. Uh, it's true, like a little fedora kind of thing. Yeah, and, um, yeah. It's just it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Uh, when I first saw it, it's one of the most kind of like almost to the point of self-parody French, like Gallic sort of nonchalant uh, things I've ever seen. Um, but it's brilliant. I think it. I think it is just the sort of clarion call for what sixties filmmaking looks like so not to not to give Tarantino his dues but like when people think about the the feel of 60s films like you've got to reckon with uh with Godard so um yeah and I just I think anyone uh who has not seen this clip should obviously go watch the whole film but um watch the clip as well I think it's I think it's on YouTube um and it's I think it, it I don't remember that much from the rest of the film to tell you the truth uh it's been a long time since I I watched it but that scene is just emblazoned on my on my mind yeah I I've only again I've only seen that clip in the same class when we were talking about musicals and they were also the teacher who knew a lot about films and uh very it was really really interesting and he would he would compare like he took this clip from Bands Apart, but then he also compared it to a, are you familiar with Hal Hartley? No. The American independent filmmaker? No. Okay, well he 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 showed a lot of like, he he sort of took inspiration from that scene in Bands Apart and had a similar scene in one of his movies. I can't remember which one it is. Might've been Simple Men. Again, I haven't seen any of Hal Hartley's films, but I really want to. Well, he this looks... is a great story, and as well done. Yeah, I know, but I was just <laughs> sort of... I haven't seen know... the film, but I'm sure there's a comparison. Yeah, yeah. No, but it, the, he, we saw the scenes, and I was like, oh, okay, I can see what, you, what, you, what you're getting at and stuff. Can't remember the teacher's name. Really nice guy. Quite interesting. Right, so, so, okay, so a guy, a guy whose name you can't remember told you a story about two films that you haven't seen. That's great material, Andrew. <laughs> can we please move to number eight? Uh, number eight. Again, this is a film I've only seen clips of and not all the way through. Jesus Christ, <laughs> what are we doing here? 
<laughs> you haven't seen anything. You've only seen horror movies. No, it's just musical. I never really got into musicals until fairly recently. Mm. I never really right. was a big musical guy. I don't know. The only really musical film I watched. Oh, dance man. No, I mean, I like musicals. I went to theaters and watched musicals and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I like the old Disney musicals and stuff and, and things like that. But, you know, the, those kind of musicals I never really got into as I got a little bit older. And, um, yeah, I think the only musical I watched when I was a kid was Grease. And I don't really think that's a good film now. <laughs> Mm, big call i'm not going to weigh in on that you're the internet's coming for you my friend i mean let's just let's just say i'm not a big fan of the choreography and a lot of the stuff in the grease is a little bit like yeah pro is it problematic is it not and also like the whole like grease lightning <laughs> scene. they're not they're not dancing they're just jumping around and off a car that's no there's no there's nothing to it it's not like it's not, a, it's, not it's not it's not on this list so let's let's nah. move move swiftly uh, on. No, so no. what is Number seven. Why don't I? No, what, no, number I, eight. Number eight. eight. We're at number eight. eight. Sorry, Jesus Christ, we're fucking this up. Um, it's uh, it's the Taylor Hackford film, uh, White Knights. So interestingly, this film, uh, which I believe I've done as a recommendation episode. No, you haven't. Okay, I have not done that. Um, well, anyway, I, I would maybe I'll do that in the future. This film um is quite uh, it's quite unique. Um, and, based on um, a true sorry. story. Is it? It is based on a true story. Really? Yeah, this is a it's a true story. Is it though? It is. I'll, okay, you you talk about it and I'll look it up. Okay, right. Well, anyway, so um, the 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 great thing about White Knights is, and and one one thing I should say, um, firstly, nothing can ever be quite unique. I should I take that back. Um, it's, it's either unique or it isn't. Um, but secondly, um, this film was actually recommended to me by the former head of the Communist Party in Massachusetts. So there you go. Um, okay. <laughs> And um, but it is it is a it's it's a, a, a one of a kind thing. It's a very very uh, almost intensely eighties, um, and it's um, you've got uh, you've got Mikhail Baryshnikov and Gregory Hines um, in the same movie um, <laughs> dancing um, uh, a lot of the time. Uh, you've got your uh, you've got your ballet dancer Baryshnikov and your you know incredible tap dancing legend uh gregory hines um and uh, brishnikov plays a uh a ballet dancer so you know playing himself that was his uh he well i mean no he's still alive but that he, he was primarily known as a dancer before acting yeah and uh if you've seen his acting um yeah his dancing is somewhat better uh in any case he uh, he's uh, he's he's defected to the west this is uh, in the era of the cold war and then his plane crashes and he's back in russia and he's kidnapped by the russians and um, he's the man who's uh, who's assigned to sort of look after him is uh, Gregory Hines, who plays a um, an American who's defected to the Russians um, because he's disgusted by his country's uh, and his own participation in the Vietnam War. Uh, and they, uh, this antagonistic, um, uh, you know, uh, relationship develops into kind of a, a grudging friendship, and um, and they uh, and they hatch a plan. Uh, to it to escape and it's a it's a really fun film but there's a sequence uh as they're planning their escape where they dance together and they meld their own styles so which are very different from one another you know you've got classical ballet on the one hand and and um you know ex this sort of exuberant modern tap dance on the other and they fuse it and they 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 work so brilliantly uh, as a as a pair in that scene, and it's just a great kind of punch the air moment. Um, 
and um, you know, punch the air moments in eighties movies are also. Yeah, there. there's a lot of that. There's a lot of do, 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 you know kind of stuff in this film. Yeah. But, so what have you found out? Is this based on any kind of true story? Because I know it's based on a fact that Barishnikov did defect, but like, come on, it can't have. It... Uh, I thought it was based on a true story because I thought our mother said it was a true story or based yeah, on a true story. There's a lot of crap, Anders. <laughs> When she, when you're naming her as a source, <laughs> I thought it was. She and said you're, it having, was... you're having a nightmare. You haven't seen any of the films. You can't remember anything. You're getting everything wrong. This is very uh, unusual for you. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, White Knights, great movie. Let's move on. Yeah, stars Helen Mirren and Isabella Rossellini, who I didn't, who I just found right. out the other day, or recent, or fairly recently, was the daughter of Ingrid Bergman and Roberta Rossellini. How the fuck did you not know that? I didn't really put two and two together. I just it, didn't really. Someone who looks exactly like Ingrid Bergman and has the last name Rossellini. What do you think? I didn't know that Roberta Rossellini and Ingrid. It doesn't matter. You what? <laughs> what? What do you think she didn't make any movies in America in the fifties? <laughs> um, oh, this is going um, great. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, God, this is a fucking disaster. Okay, at number seven. Minute is a film I haven't seen, but I really want to, is Gold Diggers of 1933. <laughs> Another one I just hasn't seen. Okay, quick thing. We had to put in, because we're doing a top 10 dance sequences list and because Anders hasn't seen musicals, but we had to we had to put in something that was choreographed by Busby Berkeley. And uh, I was on the fence about whether to do this or 42nd Street. Basically, either um, 42nd Street has some amazing sequences in it, including the, you know, we're in the money and, um, and just a, a, a broad um, swath of, of amazing, um, you know, uh, sequences where the dancing is, is brilliantly choreographed, but it's the way that Berkeley um, uses the camera, puts it up high, you know, um, makes all these sort of geometric patterns happen as he's filming the, um, as he's filming these musical numbers. Um, I thought, you know, I think a lot of people will have heard of 42nd Street. So I put in the Gold Diggers of 1933 because it uh, ends that there, you know, it's a classic thing. It's a musical within a musical. It's a struggling group of chorus girls. They start a new production and the end of the sequence, you know, the climax is the big night, the big opening night. Mm. And um, their last sequence in this um, musical is this quite incredible um number called the forgotten man and this is so this is about um it's about the depression you know it's about mm. veterans coming home from world war one coming back to an america not being able to find jobs being in hard times and this is in this is in 1933 and and so you know the great depression is in full flow um hollywood and you know is making films including this one that are escapist you know that are meant to take your mind off the depression and yet this film in so doing also reminds you about the social context and so i really like that about um uh the final forgotten man as it were uh, forgotten man sequence as they call it um so uh it's it's a it's a marvel of choreography in that there is obviously some good technically good dancing but it is that it's, it's the chorus it's the way that they use stage sets cinematography and like a large company of people together so it's slightly different from the the dance sequences we've been discussing so far which generally involve like two or three people um this is like a whole big this crew is a big of people yeah this is the whole shebang and it's and it's um and the 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 
the great the great thing about these sort of uh, musicals within musicals as it were is that you're not constrained by the rules of a stage set so you can move the set itself around it becomes three-dimensional and you have these um these creative um uh camera movements as i say but um you know that busby berkeley is one of those um figures in the history of of you know choreography or, or dance in film that you couldn't do a list like this and not um uh and not you know talk about so uh we had to wedge him in there and um, i'm glad we did and i think um i certainly intend to watch more of the films that he worked on um mm -hmm. uh but yeah gold diggers of 1933 um watch it if you can it's very very entertaining um yeah. it's got a couple of people in there that i'm familiar with dick powell and ginger rogers indeed yeah it's uh it also um i believe has um joan blondell who's wonderful um nice. it's just so so much fun so um yeah so really uh really just a a, a, a hearty recommendation there on top of just a, a great um a great dance sequence um so can Anders, can you tell me have you actually seen the film that's at number six Yes, I have, and I've seen it yes. numerous times. Thank God we've gotten to something that I have seen all the way through, and that is Spike Lee's classic film, Do the Right Thing. Right. So why don't you tell us about the dance sequence? So the film opens up, it's basically like the whole credit sequence, and public enemies fight the power, is blasting in the background, and you have uh, the great Rosie Perez just dancing away. It's just her. And it's just like in a really amazing sequence, but also it sets the mood and the tone of the film straight away from when the movie starts. So you know that this film is going to be really energetic and it's going to be, you know, it's going to deal with so many different things as, as, as all of Spike Lee's films do. And, you know, it's just, it's just such a great introduction into just, you know, just seeing Rosie Perez dancing and also just we get to see her character later in the film. And she's just a, a wonderful character in the movie and has a yeah. lot of great lines and also the fact that this was i think this was her first big film i think like spike yeah. lee discovered her she was like a dancer in a nightclub or just you know for, for acts and things like that and he picked her out and said like would you like to do this and apparently they did this quite a lot of times and she's doing a lot of like arm movements at one point she's i think she's got like boxing gloves on and she's yeah. you know, punching the air and everything like that so they shot this for quite a long time and at one at the end of the day her arms were really tired because she was just doing a lot of like angry sort of dance movements and uh and i think that you know it's just there's there's a lot that you can take in from what you know what she's feeling from you know from dancing and in, in those in those scenes in in that whole in that whole opening credit sequence yeah i mean there's also just an exuberance in there which i think is important to like understanding the film and how um you know how expressive all the characters are in it how forward they are in their um you know in their characters and how that actually you know in the case of Radio Rahim, you know, comes to be a problem that, you know, this isn't it Radio Rahim. Beg your pardon. No, no, thanks for. I, I didn't mean to get that wrong. Um, and uh, but yeah, Radio Rahim comes uh, to uh, comes a cropper, um, and um, in part because his um, defiant exuberance um, cannot survive the cruelty of the system that he's in. You know, the world that he's in. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's there's a ton of. Uh, characters in this film like Giancarlo um Esposito. who's so kind of um who's also got a great his character's name is Bugging Out uh, which is a, obviously a great hip-hop track by uh Tribe Called Quest um but his um uh you know his character too is just this like he's you know they're all pushing at the edges of what 
um, society, you know, traditionally allows um, black characters and um, uh, to do in, you know, and and what I mean, the whole film, obviously, we could talk about for hours is, yeah. is, an, is an incredible landmark uh, in uh in black cinema it's also uh it was also overlooked at the oscars and kind of a fuck you way they gave um the awards instead to driving miss daisy which is a um a much more uh you know comforting to white people evocation of of uh of the, the race uh, the like, race oh question. god we were so racist in the 60s glad we're not that anymore kind of thing and then they did it again and then they did it again at the 2019 oscars when you know he was nominated for black klansman and they gave it to Green Book. Best picture gave they got yeah. great. That's just like I don't know. He even said yeah. like uh, he even he made some things about that. He made a big hoopla about it as as he as he would do. I mean, because it was a it was a very controversial yeah. moment. Right. Yeah. And Spike Lee's never been afraid of speaking his mind, and nor should he be. And it's uh, yeah, exactly. It's just um, yeah, it's just it's very tiresome. Hollywood is is uh, you know is is way more conservative really than the even the country is a lot of the time especially when you look back at the um you know like the 1960s or you look back at um the 1990s or the you know even now especially now i guess yeah um so yeah do the right thing kind of stands as a monument for that reason as well and there you know to obviously there are scenes involving police violence and things that have very uncomfortable implications. Yeah. but the whole thing for me is also this like there's so many people in that film um from you know from Ozzy Davis to Ruby D um and now you know Spike Lee has himself become an older statesman that there's this sort of like it's like you know the history of of um African American cinema kind of writ large um but yeah it all it all begins with this dance sequence and I think it sets as you say sets the tone it says you're going to want to watch this and uh yeah. and it is uh, it is completely brilliant, and and yeah, as you say, there's only really one way to play Public Enemy, and then that is to to blast it. Mm, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a great song. It is. Uh, do we have? Uh, I mean, I know you put the the call out very recently on social media. Has anyone got in touch? Uh, yeah. Uh, let me just uh, get to that. So the first person to comment uh, on the post that I did on my fa- on my um. On my podcast, I'm on my podcast on my Twitter page, was uh, Luke Thorne at Luke Thorne ninety four. He who who works as a uh, film critic and um, writes a lot about films and things like that. He wrote. Uh, he tweeted the ballet sequence in the red shoes. Uh, well, Luke, um, it, you. Yeah, it's it's in there. <laughs> it's, it's high. It's high on the list. <laughs> it's high on the list. It's high on the list. And um, our sister actually uh, commented on 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 the on the tweet as well. She had two films uh, written on there. She had um, the Big Chill, the Lawrence Kasdan film. Have you ever seen the Big Chill? No. Oh, it's such a good film. It's like they're all there. It's like it's a group of friends who are friend who were uh, together in the '60s and they reunite um for after a funeral and they stay together um a friend of theirs had passed uh, for passed away from suicide and they meet to, together and sort of you know catching up and things like that so you got jeff goldblum uh glenn close who was oscar nominated for the film you got kevin klein who you know you don't see that much in movies anymore uh tom berenger william hurts um you know all these great actors and they and they sort of it's just it's a really great hangout movie it's such a wonderful mm. film um nominated for an oscar for best original screenplay 
And um, she also mentioned uh, the film Mermaids, which I hadn't heard of, and is a film with um, Cher and Winona Ryder and Bob Hoskins from 1990. Bob Hoskins. I was going to say, I was going to be like, Cher, Winona Ryder. Okay, so far, so good. So Bob Hoskins, what's he doing there? Well, he had that dance sequence and singing moment in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's true. Yeah. Well, it's been I thought he was an, I actually, that was the first film I ever saw with Bob Hoskins. I thought he was an American, and then he actually turned out to be British. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of people, and they found that's like that's when people like watch Daniel um, uh, Kaluuya in um, in um, interviews. They thought he was an American from Get Out, but then they found out he was British. Yes. Um, well, they were apparently they were shocked to find out that he was British. I have no idea. Because One of those things. Stupid. But can we uh, talk? No, uh, also, uh, there was another comment. Uh, there was two from the Easy Riders Raging podcast. You can follow great, them great, at great name. <laughs> at, <laughs> I wish we thought of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can follow them at ERR Podcast. There's, there's two. Okay, one of them is the Born to Hand Jive scene in Greece, which I will admit is a good dance sequence. I think one of my favorite Even dance sequences. Greece. I don't hate it. I just don't. Hand hates Greece, everyone. I don't hate his, Greece. His Twitter I, handle is at Fabricius ninety one. <laughs> Attack him. <laughs> okay, I the, the, it's, okay. I could probably. Uh, I need to watch it again, and then maybe I can get my thoughts out in a good way. But no, the hand jive sequence is really good, and you got John Travolta just dancing his ass off and everything like that, and he's great. And Olivia Newton-John, she's she's awesome. And uh, this is this is this 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 tweet I think is dedicated to you, Adam. It's the uh, lovely night sequence from Damien Chazelle's uh, Oscar-winning film La La Land. Who tweeted that at us? Easy Riders Raging Podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> you made a very powerful and no i'm joking I, fine la la land if you like la la land that's your own business i don't um you you uh, hated it from like the first two seconds I did, yeah i did not i i did not care for that movie um i hate's a strong word whatever like i thought it was just a bad film um i've, I've made my peace with it now again yeah. um a film that could have taken awards away from a deserving film about uh, more interesting subjects, shall we say? But actually, Moonlight, as we know, <laughs> did end up actually winning. Um, so um, yeah, that was a big controversy. <laughs> I mean, not controversy, just a big. It was just a fuck up. Yeah, it was uh, a big fuck up. It was a fuck up from the guy. He was tweeting. The guy who was supposed to give the envelopes out, he was tweeting, and he gave out the wrong envelope. Great. He got fired. Uh, so social media, unless you want to write to us about movies. But can we can we do some honorable mentions? Because this was actually a really hard list to put together, despite yeah. the fact. You know, you haven't seen any of the films we chose. Um, I haven't seen old musicals and yeah. Okay, fine. Look, I will watch more musicals. So so one thing I wanted to mention is um, obviously the Blues Brothers. um, Bend over, let me see you shake a tail feather. Which is which is a joyous moment. Um, And I think if we were, I think if we if we could have done another one, that would probably have been number 11. Um, And then actually one, you know, we talk about the fact that uh, we're not doing westerns in this sequence, but there is actually there are some great dance sequences in westerns, and often in the westerns of John Ford, yes. the dance sequences do they have a they have a they have a purpose in those films. They symbolize the the building of communities and um, and the establishment of a kind of stable uh, white Christian civilization, uh, and obviously that being you know not necessarily the a message that we would want to celebrate now, but that you know in the in the fifties, especially in the context of the Cold War, is is very or in the forties um, a lot of the time as well is seen as very important. Um, the one I wanted to mention is the great dance sequence of My Darling Clementine, where um, yeah. they go to the raising of the church and Henry Fonda and the actress who plays Clementine dance in the bones of this 
you know as yet to be built church uh, in the with the monument valley in the background and it's it's just gorgeous um so there's yeah. a lot of that there's wagon master and there's young mr lincoln there's even a dance sequence in the searchers at the there wedding is, yeah but i think that one my darling clementine just has a certain real uh, just there's a there's there's an iconicness to that uh that i think is very special but um yeah i mean we talked about um uh other film you haven't seen an american in paris that has a, a very long dance sequence at the end Gene Kelly. Uh, very good there's also uh, speaking again of gene kelly there's on the town uh with uh, frank sinatra uh, which has some good dance sequences in it as well mm. um there's uh, the Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. That was on a, on our provisional list, but didn't quite make the cut. Um, I think we're probably going to put that in another top ten. Right, and then there's a film. I think we probably would have put this on there if we hadn't talked about it so recently, and that's the last uh, five minutes of another round. Thomas Linderberg. Yeah, yeah, that that whole dance sequence is amazing. Yeah, and I think honestly, that's one of my favorite dance sequences in in any film. And I think if we just had, I mean, we we spoke a lot about another round on the top 10 Danish films episode. So mm. probably would have put that in there somewhere if, if it hadn't been for that. Yeah, um, I had a few honorable mentions as well. Um, Chicago, there's a bunch of, there's a great, there's a lot of great dance sequences. I really like the cell block tango sequence um, from that film. Have you, you've seen it, right? Yeah, a long time ago though. I don't, I don't really remember it. Yeah, um, I like a lot of the dancing and dirty dancing. Especially the one at the end where it's, you know, it's, no, I've had the time of my life. What's up now? And um, I've never been was, this oh. way before. Oh. And I swear it's the truth. <laughs> and I, oh, I don't, okay, fine. All right. Nobody, um, nobody puts Anders in a corner. Um, <laughs> uh, the Big Lebowski, that has a good one. That does have a really good one. Yeah. Uh, big, oh. which is also, a really the Big Lebowski, obviously, that is a tribute, that sequence to Busby Berkeley uh, musicals. Yeah. Uh, the great. I mean, the, there's the scene in Big when they're dancing on the big piano, him and uh, Tom Hanks and Robert Loggia. You've, you've not seen Big, have you? Not since I was a very small child, I think, and even then yeah. I don't know. They I do. It's it. that great sequence at the old uh, toy store in, uh, in, um, in uh, New York, F.A.O. Schwartz. Another comedy one uh, is... Uh, from Billy Wilder's Some Like It Hot with Jack Lemmon and um Oh yeah. What's his name are doing the tango, which is great. Um that's oh. that's very funny. But the oh, very, very small, very small portion of the film. There's also oh there's a great moment in Paul Verhoeven's film Soldier of Orange. Do you remember that? I where, have not seen Soldier of Orange, no. Oh what the fuck? Oh anyway, there's a great you moment. You have my DVD, so that's why I haven't seen it. Who childhood friends one of whom is they're both dutch one of whom ends up in the ss the other one ends up in the resistance end up at the same party and they encounter each other and they sort of dance together in this incredibly weird moment <laughs> that's uh that's just that i just find like insane to, to think about i mean it's sort of it's very paul verhoeven it's very like in your face um but it's um yeah it's it's interesting he had a bunch of people uh protesting his new film mostly Catholics at the um, New York Film Festival, his new uh, nun, lesbian nun film called Benedetta or whatever it's called. Well, why would Catholics ever have a problem with that? I don't uh, know. It's supposed to be good. <laughs> it's supposed to be film by Paul Verhoeven. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Um, I, I really, there's a great and very moving dance sequence in Terry Gilliam's film, uh, The Fisher King, which takes place in Grand Central Station. And are you familiar with The Fisher King? I know of it. I've not seen it. 
So it's like Jeff Bridges plays a shock DJ, radio DJ, a bit like Howard Stern. Um, he has like a crisis of confidence when he says something on his radio, which inspires someone to go out and commit a mass shooting. And then at a point in his life where he's actually down in the dumps and almost commits suicide, he's saved by this uh, homeless man paid, played by Robin Williams, who's out to try and find the Holy Grail. Okay. So he's dealing with a lot of mental problems. And then Jeff Bridges realizes that, oh, shit, this guy had a wife who died in that mass shooting. So he feels like he needs to help him. And there's a scene in Grand Central where, where Robin Williams sees uh, the woman of his dreams, played by Amanda Plummer, who plays uh, in Pulp Fiction. She's uh, Honey Bunny. Oh, yeah. And he sees her in Grand Central Station, and he's sort of following her around and everybody just kind of goes and it turns into like this big ballroom dance sequence in grand central like the, the big like clock in the middle of the in the middle of like the like the whole you know in grand central that clock in the middle yeah yeah the ticket booth yeah, the yeah. ticket the ticket booth it, it, it's like it's shot they, the way they get the light on it it shines like a um like a disco ball and it's just like a really nice you know really kind of like cool like ballroom kind of sequence and when he like falls in love with um with amanda Plummer's character and then that sort of like i think that's kind of like the beginning of their relationship and and things like that it's a really really nice sequence and it's a great film it's one of i think it's actually one of terry gilliam's best films it's interesting i mean there's so many of these you know with just thinking about them now i mean dance like like um you know like a shootout uh the dance sequence is something that just again and again like crops up in cinema and it doesn't have to be like a choreographed fred and ginger thing it, or a ballet it can also just be people just dancing because they feel like it um mm. and um uh yeah and often in in you know movies either period dramas or movies set in the 50s or, or earlier you know people like you know stuff gets actually decided like on the dance floor you know important pl plot things happen um in those moments so yeah yeah I also really like the the dance sequence in Sense of a Woman, the Martin Brest film with Al Pacino with the woman in the restaurant. I think that's a quite a nice moment. Yeah, it's quite. I mean, it's. I mean, it's just. It's a nice little sort of yeah. moment in a very long movie that could have had a few minutes shed off its runtime. Yeah, like that one. Um, imagine, so, like, uh, imagine, imagine, like Al Pacino being like a dance judge and like Strictly or something like that. It's like, Al Pacino, what did you think of the, of their dancing? She had a great ass! Or something like that. <laughs> it was bullshit! <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Um... <laughs> where, where were they dancing? In my home! <laughs> where my wife sleeps! <laughs> where my children play with their toys. There's a couple of great moments in The Godfather where they were dancing you know uh yeah. Kay, Kay and michael danced at the beginning of godfather part two and she's like you told me the corleone family was going to be legitimate and he's like yeah yeah <laughs> um anyway he was lying um, uh, so well thanks for the people who wrote to us and um i yeah. think we've probably missed we've missed so many things because we're doing this one at short notice so keep telling us where we went wrong but remember folks lists including ours including yours are bullshit halfway point at number five is quentin tarantino's uh, second film 
Pulp Fiction, and it's the uh, uh, Jack Rabbit Slim's Twist Contest with Uma Thurman, uh, Uma Thurman's Mia Wallace, and John Travolta's Vincent Vega, a role that would have been played by Michael Madsen if he wasn't doing that Western with Kevin Costner. And can you imagine Michael Madsen trying to dance in the way that uh, John Travolta is able to do it? I mean, yeah, I mean, we would we wouldn't have had you know the you know we wouldn't have had the comeback of John Travolta. Well, say what you like, that, that maybe that would have been a good thing to avoid, but um, the um, wouldn't have had face off, I mean, wouldn't have had broken arrow, you know, yeah, that, swordfish, no, exactly. swordfish, no, classic. Swordfish. <laughs> swordfish, worst film I've ever seen. Um, apart from face off, um, look, I'm sure Michael Madsen would have done fine, but it's almost because it's John Travolta that well, he had the dance sequence in Reservoir Dogs, but it's not really a dance sequence. He's dancing around to the radio when he cuts someone's ear off. That doesn't. That's not the same. Um, okay, fair enough. He. This is. I feel like this is Tarantino realizing that he has John Travolta and he can. Um, well, fucking hell! Another honorable mention would be Saturday Night Fever, which we it's not on here. Um, no, nor have I. Okay. Never heard of it. Neither of us have seen it. We really can't put it in. Um, but yeah, there's. I think he knows he's got John Travolta and he knows he's got, got to make him dance at some point. And so, um, yeah, they do this brilliant sequence. Best thing about it, right, is it's a contest. Yes. They don't show anyone else. Contest. They just they show them finishing their dance uh, and then the next scene, it cuts to her carrying the trophy back to the... Uh, Back to the house. Back to the house, yeah. Yeah, before um, the the uh, heroin overdose scene, yeah. So, um, you know, it's just, I mean, it's like, I feel like, for me anyway, it's mostly Tarantino at his best. Obviously, I also really like Jackie Brown. It, it's such a celebration of, like, all the things that he likes. And many of those things are things that I also like, like 50s nostalgia and rock and roll music and people just being really fucking cool where they smoke cigarettes and drink uh milkshakes you know it's um it's a great it, the, the writing and the build-up to this to the contest is so good and um the choice of music is great it's uh you never can tell by chuck berry and um uh yeah and the his, dance cousin, scene, his cousin marvin berry is also pretty good yeah marvin berry and the starlight it's a great band um but uh in the um um but in this um in this sequence you just have this like this this just it's this this like joyful explosion of um sort of ironic cool in and which feels very 90s in the middle of a film that's mostly concerned with like you know crime and grime story you know sort of a noir yeah. kind of universe um and i love it yeah it's a great scene it, it's i mean like all of the stuff that happens in pulp fiction it's just like a short film it's just like it's like a, you could easily like people like could easily get inspired by that and make like a short like story based out of that like a date that just uh, goes i'm pretty, pretty sure cr- they have yeah i'm pretty i mean because yeah of course like everyone like watches that film and then they feel like oh let's sure just do something have, like that <laughs> yeah i try not to <laughs> But, um, um, but yeah, it's it it, it, I, I, it needs no introduction really. It's like mm. if you you you've probably seen it in one shape or another, uh, or in one guise or another. If you haven't seen Pulp Fiction, then I can't help you. But like, yeah, um, you know, it is. Um, I guess it's one of the great, uh, probably one of the most iconic films of the '90s, and one of the most iconic scenes within that film. So um, yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I love the costuming. I love that her hair is is cut the way it is and that sort of um bob and um and that 
uh, she's wearing that. She's wearing a white shirt and tight sort of black trousers, and he's wearing a sort of dark suit with a bolo tie. You know, it's very great sort of um, singular, not too crazy sort of Wes Anderson level uh, whimsical, but but still whimsical enough to really sort of stand out. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's such. A, I love all the costumes and that stuff. And you get a nice. And, and, and is it is it is it true that they basically made up the dance sequence themselves? Right, there wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, true. I think like Tarantino, he was talking about this on a talk show, the Graham Norton show, when he was, um, you know, he was he was getting Django Unchained out, and he was talking about how like he wanted some of the dancing to be, and he took a little bit of inspiration from the cats. Uh, dance stuff in Aristocats, like when they have the you know the, the everybody wants to be a cat, like the way that Jaja Gabor cat, uh, the 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 cat that's voiced by Jaja Gabor it does the dancing and that sort of stuff. Like and then, and then, I mean if you can if you see like behind the scenes making of it, you have like the cameraman, and then behind the cameraman is Tarantino, and he's doing all the dance moves that he has, like you know, he wants them to do. So he's choreographing it with them, but I think allowing them to do that. And I think there's a scene in Death Proof, which is kind of like a lap dance scene, and he sort of allowed the the actress to do her own sort of movements in that scene as well. Speaking of lap dance scenes, um, we should have mentioned in the honorable mentions the film Hustlers uh, with uh, Jennifer Lopez that came out. Oh yeah, that's ago. right. Oh the the. Um... Oh, who's Fiona the singer? Apple. The Fiona yeah. Apple song. Oh, that's Criminal. such a yeah. great, great introduction to her character. She was, uh, Fiona Apple was in a relationship with um, Paul Thomas Anderson, who has a new film coming out called Licorice Pizza, which is all the trailer of recently. Andy, this is... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What is, what is number four? Okay, uh, at number four is the Bob Fosse classic, All That Jazz. So the problem with this is, we tried talking about this before we started recording, and yeah, I can't pick my favorite sequence in this film. I mean, you have the on Broadway sequence. song at the beginning, and then you have a bunch of other stuff. I think the one you we have did... is they have the thing where he he shows his draft the you know, Roy Scheider plays Sheriff Hooper. No, not Sheriff, Sheriff Hooper. Sheriff, Sheriff Hooper Brody. Is no, Sheriff, Sheriff Brody, not Hooper. Sheriff Brody. Hooper! Uh, Sheriff Brody is living in uh, New York City and smoking mm-hmm. too much and drinking too much and choreographing. Um, he's basically playing Bob Fosse, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it was based around when Bob Fosse, he was putting on a Broadway show while he was in post-production on Lenny and he actually did have a heart attack and got into a bit of health issues then i don't know how long yeah, he lived. a bit of health issues that's having a heart attack counts as more than just a bit of health issues okay fine yeah i mean it wasn't he a... had a heart attack leave it at that okay fine um, yes right so this film is about someone who's basically doing exactly the same thing they're trying to edit a film while they're putting on a broadway musical and it's the sequence where he's putting on the broadway musical it's not actually sheriff brody by the way it's just roy scheider we're being stupid so in case people are listening to this being like what what's a sheriff doing producing a broadway musical um he He's getting over his PTSD from killing the shark. Andy. <laughs> confusing people. <laughs> um, so it's not a film people might not have seen. Um, all that jazz is... Um, it's also one of the great New York films, FYI. Um, 70s uh, New York. Yeah. So so there's a sequence where he put he, he shows the sort of uh, early stage of, of this movie that he's doing, uh, this play that he's doing and it's got a sequence which is all about air travel and it's very, very sexy shall we say. Yeah, and, it, is. Uh, it, gets, it gets people a little uh, alarmed but then there's there's other brilliant sequences. There's a really moving bit where he's rehearsing with his daughter. They're doing Yeah, that's such a nice moment. Dance. 
And then there's another bit where she and his girlfriend, um, who, oh God, she was played by, who was a dancer. And I think this was like her only film that she was in. Damn it. What's the, uh, what's the actress's name? Anyway, they, they put look on, it up. they for him put on a, um, a, a performance for his birthday, I think it is, or something like that. And, um, and that's just so stunning. And then of course there's the later scene in the film where, uh, he's on the operating table and he's having hallucinations and all of the hallucinations are about these um, amazing, um, yeah. amazing dance sequences. It was Anne Ring King. Anne Ring King, yeah. That's the, oh, I, I, was just, I was just about she to died, say. She died last year, I'm really sad to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. I remember I remember seeing that. Yeah. She um, she was not... She actually was a little young. Uh, so that's very... Um, very sad and um it's uh obviously you've also got uh, jessica lang in this film who, um, was, uh, who was married to uh mikhail uh, barishnikov whoa it's all come full circle yeah um, from 1976 till uh, 1982 they were married together and then she married uh, sam shepherd jesus yeah God, barishnikov and sam shepherd that would have been a, whew, a, hell, of a com- hell of a combination um uh, the, uh, <laughs> uh, so um yeah, uh, th- th- this film is just full. Of, it's it's just m- very moving. So I don't want to pick any one of those. Um, yeah, there's so many uh, great sequences in that I think film. My favorite, I, I think actually my favorite is the one where he's just it's just him and his daughter and they're having this moment. I think that's very sweet. Um, yeah. But I, uh, for sheer like exuberance, I think the um, either the Broadway one or the one where he's hallucinating on his uh, deathbed. Oh, spoiler alert! Uh, is uh, yeah, uh, who, who, who's spoiling movies now, huh? <laughs> me, <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Roy Scheider—he was in like every great film in the seventies, except he wasn't. Well, oh, not yeah. every well, great film in the seventies. He's not in The Conformist. He's not in Star Wars. <laughs> Okay, every like film. He was so good at this high power. He's like, this is in my top ten, which is also hundred and fifty films long. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, he said in a quote when he was talking about all that jazz. He said, like, in his career, he's you know he's danced, he's sung, and he's acted, and in all that jazz, he he was able to do all three. Yeah, it's true. Um, now we we have to move on. So uh, we're getting into the business, the business end of the list. Yeah, at number three is uh, a film that I really love is the Gene Kelly and Stanley Donnan film Singing in the Rain, starring him and oh, Gene Kelly and um, and uh, the late, great uh, Debbie Reynolds. And of course, Donald O'Connor, right? Yes, and Donald O'Connor. Yeah, O'Connor. Make him laugh, make him laugh. Calm down. Calm down. Um, I like that moment. It's a good scene. Comedy roar. Um, the um, <laughs> Wait, waving the fucking gun around. <laughs> anyway, hi Dougie. Uh, he <laughs> he is so um, he's so good. The thing about singing in the rain is, of course, it's going to be at the top ten. It's like it's the obvious one, but yeah, it's um. And we're talking about the singing in the rain sequence. We're talking about the bit yes. where he wanders down the street and he dances in the rain. Because why? Because it's a great fucking great piece of Hollywood, just dream factoryness. And um, and it's uh, isn't it in Wally that he plays the sequence? No, uh, it's Hello Dolly. Oh, it's Hello Dolly. So what is Hello Dolly? Hello, it's so nice to see you back where you belong. You say you haven't seen any musicals, and yet you know all the words to every musical. Okay, this is stuff I've seen recently, so it's you know I've gotten into that kind of like musical theater kind of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway. Also, also, Hello Dolly was directed by Gene Kelly. Hmm. Uh, the uh, Singing in the Rain does come up a lot in uh, pop culture, and justifiably so. And this is also, I think, what's great about that sequence is it's a, just a it's a hymn to like why we dance because we're happy mm. because we can because it's fun and why do we put dance on film because it looks great. And Gene Kelly uh, hasn't appeared on our list so far. Probably should have done. Um, also, a quick shout out to the terrible and yet sort of so bad it's good film Xanadu, uh, which was actually Gene Kelly's last movie and also features Olivia Newton-John. Was that um, his last film? Yeah, unfortunately it was. Oh, um, God. I haven't lead, seen it. I would uh, like to. The lead actor from Xanadu uh, was also in The Warriors. and um, he, Oh, yeah, that's right. He's, his quote is brilliant because he said, the Warriors opened a lot of doors for me that Xanadu subsequently closed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's the thing about Hollywood. Is you're hot until you're not, and then people don't give a yeah, shit. And, and Xanadu really was not. Uh, but <laughs> moving moving away from Xanadu and towards Singing in the Rain, which truly is a classic that... It's like one of the, it's one of those Hollywood films that really has just endured since it came out. Like, I don't think there's ever been a time... It's like Wizard of Oz. There's never been a time when it wasn't, you know, at the forefront of people's minds. And I think there are better Hollywood musicals than Singing in the Rain. I think there are more interesting Hollywood musicals and singing in the rain, but there's not one that just like does like is such a people pleaser. It is just such a that's a big smile on your face. Right. And it's it's technicolor, it's it's um really funny. It's really um uh it's got it's just got a great number of 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 um really iconic songs in it, many of which like singing in the rain had just been kicking around for ages and no one knew how to use them. And they I mean they just put that pretty much in the film because you know because they had the song i mean it's it's sort of it's it feels like they sort of started with singing in the rain and just sort of back solved from there yeah i mean it's a good it's a really great moment but also i think we haven't really talked so much about how you know of course you know the dancing and the acting and all these moments is really good and the choreography but you have to also think about the crew the people who are capturing all this stuff like the work and the stuff that goes into it is amazing. And I mean, just the way they capture everything and like thinking about like, oh shit, if like someone was out of focus, they have to like do it all over again. Yeah, right, right, And right. also like digital cameras hadn't been invented yet. So you didn't, you didn't have the, you didn't at that point have the luxury of doing multiple takes. So you had to be like really on your marks and stuff. So, I mean, hats off to the people who had to do all those stuffs and light the sets and build them and everything like that. It's just, you know, and in amazing. Singing the rain, you've got the you've got the actual rain as well. You've got yeah, all the, exactly. The puddles have to be the right depth. The rain has to look right on his suit and everything. Yeah, yeah. it's just like to do a sequence like that. You're right. So much goes into it. So many, many, many people work on on making a, a sequence like that come off. It's not just the like mercurial geniuses at the center of it. But again, this is a bit like the Pulp Fiction one. It's like if you haven't seen the film, you're probably familiar with this sequence everyone's got an idea in their head of what it looks like and it's it's simplicity itself right it's a guy in a suit with an umbrella and it's a rain-filled street yeah and he's singing about the woman he loves and that's debbie reynolds singing in the rain yeah yeah exactly and uh, and of course that the woman he loves of course is debbie reynolds and which makes it all the more um poignant to watch uh now of course because she died in such sad circumstances after her daughter carrie fisher had died a couple Mm -hmm. of days before um the um uh, the number two, number two film. Number two uh, is the Powell and Presberger film, The Red Shoes, which yes. uh, Luke uh, Thorne mentioned in uh, his tweets. To me, I have not seen The Red Shoes. I there's, I really want to. I've seen like clips and stuff from it, I, again, from that uh, documentary that Martin Scorsese did. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a film that I really want to watch. Right, so um, 
the red shoes it if it had if we'd both seen this i think it would be number one in fact i think it would have been, absolutely would have been number one if we'd both seen it for me it, it is it has to be this high on the list because the ballet sequence at the end of the red shoes is a, just an, it, it's just leaving aside the rest of the film which is incredible the sequence is such a inventive and um uh and 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 just searing piece of 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 movie dancing and choreography and um set and work as well and and cinematography of course the cinematographer was jack cardiff he and the people at technicolor got into a bit of a conflict about this film because technicolor basically came to jack cardiff and said you're not using technicolor right uh you you're gonna you're gonna ruin the color in this film and he was like no 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 i'm doing it right don't you worry and the finished product you know like um, some of the previous films in which he'd used Technicolor, um, including A Matter of Life and Death and Black Narcissus, the, it, the color looks special, but it looks really special in the red shoes. It's super saturated. It's like, it's, it's, it's dense. It's like heavy. It's heavily colorful. And yet it just, it, because, and in a film where the color is so important to, you know, this integral thing, the red shoes, um, based on the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale, um you've got oh, was it? Um, i didn't know it was based on a uh, hans christian yeah, well, the, the, yeah the dance sequence certainly is and and it sort of is the whole metaphor that the film revolves around the dancer herself was uh um moira shearer and um he's from cabaret isn't he what he no the, the, the no oh sorry that's a woman isn't it yes oh sorry i thought that i'm oh, sorry I'm... moira shearer is in this is the, the is <laughs> Is the dancer in this film? She was a ballet dancer. She was, uh, I think, she was married to Harold Pinter. Anyway, um, she's not in Cabaret. I don't know what you're thinking about. No, sorry, you're... but there is an actor who is in Cabaret who's in this. There film. are actors in Cabaret. Yeah, I yeah. know. It's yeah, it's uh, what's this? Oh, okay, I'll. What, I, who I... are you talking about? <laughs> it's the guy the, the, in the club in Cabaret. Joel Grey. Yeah, Joel Grey. Joel Grey's not in the red shoes. Oh, I'm confusing it with someone else. Who's, of course, it's the guy. Who's fucking in 1948? Joel Grey would have had to have been born in like the 1910s to be in this. I was confusing him with the fairy from A Matter of Life and Death, who's in this film. Sorry, I confused. Not fairy, he's a heavenly messenger. Put it right, <laughs> Marius Goring. Okay, you're having a nightmare. You need to fire yourself. <laughs> I mean, uh. I know moving house can be very stressful, but your brain has <laughs> leaked out into those headphones. Um, right, so, but yeah, the red shoes. What can you, you, oh my God. I'm sorry. Oh, I just had a moment. We've had several moments. Um, the, uh, the red shoes uh, is, is, uh, is, a, is a serious moment in the history of cinema. And it's a great moment in the history of British cinema as well, because it's like, uh, it, it is it it's these two filmmakers and their cinematographer and their set designers and their uh, rest of their crew have been working you know for let's say about 10 years at this point making just great one great film after another and they sort of reach this point where they're just like right are we can we do it let's do it let's yeah. make the greatest film about like the artistic soul and the imperative to, um, you know, self-destructively pursue uh, um, art and to ruin other people while doing it and to let, you know, and all this other stuff. Let, let's do that and let's do it in, you know, let's make it three hours long. Let's make it, um, you know, insanely beautiful. Sorry, it's actually not three hours long. It's more like two and a half. Um, 
and let's uh, and let's put in a dance sequence at the end that that you know puts all other dance sequences to shame. And it was actually Gene Kelly. Speaking of Gene Kelly, when they watched, he he screened this film for his producers at uh, mm. I can't remember which studios. It was probably MGM, and uh, and he was like, I want to make. I want to make this. I want to do this, and that's what got. Uh, that's what brought us uh, an American in Paris, which, of course, didn't make it onto this list, but is an honourable mention. I do want to watch that, and I think we have to owe a lot to Martin Scorsese and his editor, Thelma Schoonmaker, who was married to uh, Michael, Michael Powell, Powell for yeah. uh, restoring uh, the Red Shoes, and it, they they had a restor a, a newly restored version of the film was released at the two thousand and nine uh, Cannes Film Festival, and it's yeah. part of the Criterion uh, collection. The best part of that was Jack Cardiff was actually still alive when they released it in 2009, so he was able to go and watch it. Yeah, he oh he passed oh yeah he passed away in in April 2009, so just after the festival. Oh well, or before I don't know. Oh maybe that's no fuck it. Maybe I got it wrong then. Okay, well, uh, fact checking. Um, anyway, he was around. He, he was still alive when they were restoring it. <laughs> Let's put it that the way. Spirit was in the room when the film was being shown. Yeah, well, I know anything. Uh, if you're not familiar with the work of Jack Cardiff, he did a a, a, a wide array of uh, cinematography for a lot of different people. Yeah. He's, I think he's African he's, Queen, yeah. the Vikings, Death on the Nile. The Vikings? Why did you pick the Vikings? <laughs> I don't know. It was just because I hadn't, I was a barefoot Contessa. Yeah. Rambo 2, Rambo Part 2. He did not do the cinematography of Rambo Part 2. Yes, he did. No. Yes, he did. Get out. Jack Cardiff. Yeah. Jack, Cardiff. Jack Cardiff. Yeah, the Jack Carter, the Jack Carter who who did the cinematography on A Matter of Life and Death, Black Narcissus, The Red Shoes, The African Queen, The Barefoot Contessa, War and Peace, King Vidor's War and Peace, and The Vikings, did the cinematography on George P. Cosmatos, who directed Tombstone. He did the cinematography on Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Oh my God! Okay, well we le you learn something every day. That was um, his. Yeah. Uh, that was one of his last films that he did. I think he didn't. He didn't really do much. He couldn't, after. Himself. He couldn't live with himself after that. Yeah, he also directed films as well. Yes, he did. Um, but yeah, he's he's someone who uh, just has. I think he's he's sort of the Roger Deakins of his day. Just someone who's got that. Just has got a distinct style, and um, and it's it's completely uh, gorgeous. And I actually think Roger Deakins talks quite often about how much uh, he's influenced by Cardiff. Yeah, he does talk a lot about him, and I think also Conrad Hall on his uh, podcast. They do talk. I mean, he was really good friends with Conrad Hall. One thing just to note: we talked a lot about Jack Cardiff and the cinematography, which is, I mean, for me anyway, the starring, yeah, you know, the main character in uh, the Red Shoes. But Moira Shearer is um, is really astonishing um, mm. in, and and not just you know in this sequence, but throughout um, throughout the film. And, um, you know, she's, um, she's not in a lot of things, you know, she's not known as a, she was a ballet dancer. Um, and, um, and she was really mostly in uh, what few films uh, she did uh, include, you know, were sort of um, like the tales of Hoffman or this, you know, did revolve around um, ballet. But well, she, she also she also did uh, Peeping Tom, which yeah, Michael, I was gonna say. I was Michael Powell directed. Yeah. I was building up to that. She came back to do Peeping Tom, which is very controversial, of course. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, Powell, very which... con very controversial movie. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, but, but the point is, Anders, if I can keep a, you on the leash for just two seconds, okay. uh, is that it obviously shows the esteem to which she held Powell um, uh, on the basis of having been in the Red Shoes that she came back. 
a dozen years later to do Peeping Tom. So that was the point of my embarking on that particular anecdote. Um, okay, cool. Shall we, uh, shall we go to number one? Yes, number one is uh, the great, or one of the great, uh, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers. Sorry, I almost burped there. Um, uh, one of the great uh, films that they did together, and that is the classic film Top Hat. I feel like you you can't not have this at the top in some ways. Um, uh, we are talking about the sequence that um, uh, anyone who's seen The Purple Rose of Cairo will recognize because it's the bit that... Um, or The Green Mile. Oh, really? Is it in that as well? Yeah, there's a there's a scene where they watch um, where Michael Clark Duncan sits with uh, Tom Hanks watching uh, cheek to, the cheek to cheek scene from um, from Top Hat. Uh, sorry, that's <laughs> I can't talk about the Green Mile and that scene without getting a little emotional because it's such a sad film. <laughs> oh God! All right. Well, anyway, there's that beautiful sequence at the end of um, Woody Allen's The Purple Rose of Cairo where Mia Farrow watches it as well, which is also kind of poignant and sad. Um, yeah. The um, the sequence itself involves uh, a great song, Dancing Cheek to Cheek. Um, it involves two of the greatest dancers of all time, Dancing Cheek to Cheek, um, uh, in, a, in a brilliant 1930s set. But it's all, for me, it's all about Ginger Rogers' dress. That she the flower sl- dress. Or the feathery no, dress. Ostrich sorry. feathers. It's the ostrich. ostrich feathers, yeah. yeah. Just and flying around the whole they, scene. Every time she moves, feathers fly off this dress. And it was apparently it drove... It drove Fred Astaire crazy. It did, and yeah. Like one of them ended up in like his throat or something like that. It was crazy. He got really angry quite a lot of the yeah. times when they were doing this. But I love that as like her trolling him, like all, all for all his perfectionism and all his uh, and all his like controllingness and all whatever he's put her through down the years. That this is a moment where she yeah. gets back in it, which I love. But it's just it's beautiful. It's just so perfect. It is, and and of course everyone might have their own favorite sequences from. Uh, Fred and Ginger movies, they may have a sequence in this film that they prefer more. There's a bit where they dance in a pavilion in a park that's particularly lovely, but... Um, they do that in a lot money, of films. For my money, you just get... You, it doesn't get much better than this. Um, and um, and I just... I think it's... Uh, um, it, it, it's such an evocation of what these films are all about. Like, talk, It's just pure escapism. Yeah. I mean... It was such a great bit of escapism, especially from like last year to watch like all those movies. It was so good. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, I can see. I can see that that would have been a really nice way to uh, stave off the misery of the pandemic. But yeah, no, I think um, you you got to have Fred and Ginger as number one. Um, uh, actually, um, someone else that Fred did briefly dance with and actually claimed that he preferred dancing with um, uh, was actually with Rita Hayworth. And although she was a a brilliant dancer. Um, there's just no he the chemistry that he has with ginger rogers is special um yeah and she could that she was a great dancer but also a great actress um really really helps and um and i think as increasingly as time goes by like more and more you realize that she's the mvp in these movies like she's got all the 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 acting chops and the comic timing Mm. and stuff just that it's his kind of it's that particular sort of elegance that I mentioned before that he has, especially in his younger guys, that, that he's just so smooth. I mean, the thing, comparing him to Gene Kelly, it's, it's always a bit, like, unfair. Um, but like, he's such a different creature to Kelly, like, the way he, he's so silky and so just, like, um, effortless feeling. He was a uh, bit more classical than Gene Kelly. Yeah, true. And I think that um, Gene Kelly's more sort of athletic, more muscular, more, like... 50s kind of idea of what a um 
male lead should look like. Whereas there's like Esther basically doesn't have a muscle on his body. He's just all just like just sinews, you know. He's got um, some good legs. Oh yes. Um, also, quick thing I think um, worth putting in the show notes maybe is that great moment and from the Oscars and I think it's like in the 1970s where um, Bob Hope is and Fred Astaire are on stage and Hope asks Fred if he's still dancing and then they put some music on and he does this like dance sequence aged whatever he was at that point to um, uh, to and uh, right there at the Oscars which I just think is a brilliant moment. Have you seen that? No, I've never seen that. I would like oh, to try and find that. Send, I have to send it to you. It's so it's so good. Yeah. Um, There's also that great thing with Gene Kelly where he was jan- he was dancing with um, the mouse Jerry. Yes, uh, that's slightly slightly less. Uh, that was obviously you know, done as part of a film. This is a this moment was yeah know, I know, but it was I just um, I was, but, yeah. yeah I know, but that's that's kind of cool that Fred Astaire even at that point he still had it. And also, I mean, there's also that I also saw that was another one with um, another thing from the Oscars with Groucho Marx who was still sharp as a whip even when he was like suffering from a stroke and dealing with a lot of stuff in his personal life, and he was he was still he was still very like funny and witty and all that sort of stuff. Well, we can talk about that if we do a film about funniest cinema characters. But, um, uh, but yeah, this is about dancing, and um, yeah. so uh, we can't. We'll leave Groucho Marx aside, even though his dance sequence in Horse Feathers is uh, very amusing. Um, in fact, there's a lot <laughs> of good dance sequences in the Marx Brothers all round. But let's just park those guys for a second uh, and just leave everyone thinking about um, Fred and Ginger dancing in their. Um, well, he's in his black tie, and she's in this batshit crazy ostrich feather dress um but it's all it's it's uh it's as perfect as as uh, as as you know it's really one of those things where it's like when cinema's like this it doesn't need yeah. to be different you know yeah it's it's such it's yeah it's beautiful beautiful cinema yes so let's just quickly round off the films before we uh, head off so at number 10 was the bandwagon number nine band apart Number eight, White Knights. Number seven, Gold Diggers of 1933. Number six, Do the Right Thing. Number five, Pulp Fiction. Number four, All That Jazz. Number three, Singing in the Rain. Number two, The Red Shoes. Number one, Top Hat. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, we've probably left a bunch of things out. Please get in touch and tell us uh, what we messed up and uh, tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about next time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well... Yeah, send us an email at homesmoviespodcast at gmail.com and let us know what you what guys would like us to mention. Like what's our top ten favorite, I don't know, shoes in films. I don't know. The red car- shoes. The red shoes, or like what favorite cars or vehicles. Favorite cars, yeah. yeah. Of, vehicles or vehicles, yeah. Yeah. Or uh favorite um uh film um animals or favorite um uh favorite hats uh, yeah. uh favorite, favorite now we songs know. favorite songs musical moments we've talked about that yeah um we've talked about um uh you know we've we've done you know like other genre movies like favorite favorite uh favorite f- cop movies we do favorite um favorite movie aliens yeah a lot of those guys kicking around um so uh so yeah you know keep them keep them coming and um and uh and we'll keep the all we'll keep these bullshit lists coming <laughs> they're, they're fun to do yeah exactly they're good fun to do and uh there's a lot of films on this list that i need to watch and uh actually do i do have a fred astaire box set with the bandwagon in there also along with um finian's rainbow the francis ford coppola coppola film that he did 
Right. Um, are we really going to go out on Finian's rainbow? I guess we no, are. No, 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 no. <laughs> can people, we need to leave. How can people get in touch? Okay, yeah. So, okay, 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 okay. It's my Joe, Pre- Joe, ah, Joe Pesci impression. Okay, so, yes. Yeah, Pesci and, and Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> they fuck you in the drive-thru. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, emails. Okay, email. Homesmoviespodcast at gmail.com. I just said that. Uh, you can also follow us at Pod. You can follow Adam. He's the Northampton Dane. Uh, you can also follow him on Instagram if you, if you like. Mm-hmm. And you can also follow me on Instagram as well. I'm Anders F. Holmes. And you can also follow me on Twitter at uh, Fabricius91. And um, over the last few days, I have been posting a few things on our blog. So do check out the blog and read a few things on that. I had a nice uh, comment from someone who uh, gave uh, left a nice comment on a little post I wrote about the uh, film What Lies Beneath with Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer. So uh, yeah, do check that out. And hopefully Adam could... You know, I mean, Adam has written a few things for the blog but hasn't, has, hasn't done it as much because... He's been very, he's been rather busy, but uh, hopefully Adam can uh, share his views as well in that, in that format. On uh, yeah, I really do. I owe you, I owe you some, uh, some stuff for that. And I'm very, I'm very sorry for my uh, continued negligence on that front, but um, yeah. yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll do better anyway. Yeah. And um, also, and also do check out because no time to die is f- finally coming out yeah bond backwards yeah do check out all the bond backwards episodes and um yeah well no time to die is coming out soon so maybe once adam has seen it when the film comes out in america on the 8th of october we might be able to do an episode on it we'll do a bond bonus yeah. bond bonus backwards yeah that's not right. wrong <laughs> let's uh let's leave yeah, it's better than ending it on Finian's rainbow. But anyway, yeah. uh, end, a- it on, end it on fucking cheek to cheek. Give the give the people what they yeah. want. Yeah, heaven, I'm in heaven. No, not, not you singing it. <laughs> give it the actual recording. And we're out together dancing cheek to cheek. I hate you. Heaven, I'm in heaven. And my heart beats so that I can hardly speak And I seem to find the happiness I seek When we're out together dancing cheek to cheek Heaven, I'm in heaven And the cares that hung around me Seem to vanish like a gambler.